I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you have a question or whatever, you can fire off an email to a diary of doom 1968. We also have a Patreon uh, that was just recently launched. You can find that over at patreon.com slash diary of doom. There's going to be minimum one bonus podcast per month, but probably more than that. Uh, not necessarily about doom metal, but hey, my platform and I'm trying to have some fun with it. Uh, it's cheap. First tier starts at $2. Uh, it's going to be a lot of returning guests and, you know, deep dives on bands, review movies, probably some other dumb shit. So again, that's patreon.com slash diary of doom. Uh, joining us for this week's chapter is Jason from the Australian band Yano Mamo. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. I got it right. <laughs> I kept replacing the second M with an N. Oh, yeah. That's so, happened. Yeah. People say all sorts of stuff, but it's Yano Mamo or Yano Mamo. Um, yeah. Either is good. Okay. Um, and he also runs Iomium Records. Uh, like, you know, obviously. Uh, based on the accent, Australia, uh, based out of Sydney. So uh, thank you for coming on. It's cool to have another. Uh, <clears throat> it's cool to have another guest um, from the land of Oz. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. So, who did you speak to from Australia before me? Uh, Sally Townsend, the photographer. Oh yeah, Sally's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she rules. I known Sally for a long, long time. <laughs> she's a, she's so she lives in Melbourne, which is the state of uh, Victoria, the state below where I live. Okay. Um, she's just such a, you know, a mainstay of the scene down there and, you know, her amazing artwork and photography and stuff. And I think she came to see us the first time that we went to Melbourne, which would have been like 10 years ago. Yeah. And she just, she's just such a great supporter of all of the underground music scene here. It's, it's amazing. And I know she's been to the States a lot and she's hooked up with a lot oh, of yeah. bands over there and, you know, done some great art and photos for those guys like Windhand and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah, Sally's awesome. Yeah, we met very briefly, very late at night at Psycho Las Vegas uh, a, a few years ago. And I I, uh, <laughs> I told her on the episode, I said, I had to leave because I was way too high. <laughs> Which, of course. You know, cool. Yeah, unheard of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Sally Rules just actually got some really great uh, prints uh, that she did of the Sopranos cast and her. she did the her watercolor uh, style really really awesome and uh, it was a real pleasure to have her on the show and i i own one of her prints of one of her amazing photographs of sun like yeah she rules oh, is that the one with the hand up in the air i don't think so it's i uh, think if it is i don't recall i just know that it's kind of like a yellow tinge and it's just fucking uh, okay. just brilliant like it's yeah just the stuff she's done for sun is amazing there's one i think she's got like i think it's Stephen o'malley on the stage and someone in the crowd is holding up like a doom claw yeah, 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 yeah. The whole scene perfectly. It's just such a great capture. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, how long does it take to go, like, to go across, to traverse Australia? Like, I really don't have any oh, conception man. for how big it is. Yeah, Australia is such a huge country. and It is you know, huge because it always looks uh, tiny on a map. Yeah, so to drive, if I were to drive from my place to where Sally lives, it would take about 12 hours in the car. Oof. Um, I can fly there in, like, just just under an hour but if i wanted to drive from one side of australia to the other it would take about seven days 
I'm wondering is I don't I don't know how long it takes to cross the states. I know that you if you don't stop, you can do it in about three days, which is like I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, you need you really need to take your time because I think for for a lot of that when you're driving across Australia, you're just in the desert in you know 50 degree heat and there's nothing and you know you just need to be really careful. I mean, this country will kill you as soon as look at you, you know. <laughs> if it's, yeah. If it's not the heat, it's the animals. If it's not the animals, you know, sharks and alligators. Uh, you know, crocodiles and stingers and spiders and all sorts of shit. <laughs> Your government might kill you too. <laughs> oh man, don't get me started on them. <laughs> uh, it's it's so bad that it's act it's like it trickles into like my politics too. And I see yeah. it. I'm just like, damn man, Australia is like pretty fucking whack right now. Like Oh man, they've just gone what they've our government's done, they've just they've almost gone like full Trump, you know, like this is neoliberalism bullshit where they're just trying to dismantle the healthcare system. Um, you know, they've mismanaged COVID to the point now that we're having 50,000 cases a day. Oh, um, and, and, uh, that doesn't compare back to what you guys were getting, but and, because you guys are such a, a much bigger, more complex country. But I mean, you know, if, back when COVID started, if we were getting like 50 cases a day, it was kind of crazy. And now we're up to 50,000 because of the mismanagement of it. You know, and we don't have enough vaccines to get everyone vaccinated. And it's just, and they're just doubling down on their bullshit and lies. And as I said, kind of going full Trump, you know, they say one thing the next day and then the next day they're on camera saying, oh, I, never, I didn't say that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's crazy. And people have just had enough. You know, that obviously that's been going on for a long time here. All the, you know, the naysaying and the fake news and, you yeah. know, don't believe this, that, and the other thing. But it's interesting to see it from my perspective, because I look at it and I'm like, that's like clearly a lie, but obviously like in your country, you must have a contingency that's like fully for like, you know, this fucking malarkey. Cause I know there's been a lot of like, kind of, I don't think it's as bad as like some other countries, but I know there's been plenty of protestings against like, you know, mandates and lockdowns and all that stuff yeah. in Australia. And it's like, I imagine it's as frustrating for you there just being like, yeah, let's just get this done and be done, be over with it as opposed to all this stuff. And yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's other countries that are looking at you being like, how is this other? Because I guess we are, we must think it can't be worse in other countries. And we're like, oh, wow, it's like actually happening in other places. <laughs> just the spread of it, you know? And I think what happened in America, you know, and you have people in other countries that support that and they go, well, that kind of worked. Maybe if we tweak it, we'll actually get it to work properly, you know? it's just a bunch of politicians being self-serving and brazenly corrupt and open about it. And, you know, it's just maddening. And the older I get, the more aware I am of it. And it just drives me crazy. <laughs> you know, having, I've got an 11 year old son and I just think sometimes, Jesus, what did I, what have I done? You know, what, what sort of life is he going to have if this is the way things are going? And it's just, just increasingly frustrating. Um, but hopefully we'll get to vote them out soon, which is good. But, other people that we vote in going to be any different yeah you it, it's always that risk i mean we're kind of going through that now i'm not gonna it's like yeah i wasn't like i'm by, by no stretch was i any fan of trump but i can't say i'm really like fucking jazzed about the current guy either yeah it's just i, I mean it, it, things are just in such a and you know especially the covid situation things are just so fucked up at the moment i don't think it matter i don't think it matters who's in there it's just so hard to do a decent job yeah you know, all these, you know, being pulled by corporations and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just how are they going to do what's right for the people? 
Yeah, it's like someone told you to dig a ditch, but they didn't give you a ladder to get out of. Like, how are you actually going to like fix the situation? You know, you just you just dug your own grave, basically. But I mean, there's other better things to talk about, (laughs) such as such as uh, music, which is you know for me was a very you know crucial thing to get through the 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 beginning of the pandemic, Um, and you know led to a lot of being able to just talk to a lot of people that probably you wouldn't have the chance to talk to on a normal basis. Cause you yeah. know, they're touring, they've, they've got normal work, you know, or they're running a side, you know, like a side gig or they do yeah. merch, like, you know, yourself with the label. So it, it has in that way, it's been, and I won't say a good opportunity. I'll say it's been a unique one. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed for sure. For sure. And it's like, as, as someone that plays music, you know, I've been working from home now from my day job for two for just over two years now. So I haven't had to go in the office for two years. Mm-hmm. And um, which means you have a lot more spare time at home. You know, you're not traveling to and from work. And I, for me, it gave me the opportunity to, to do a few things, you know, like one focus on the label a little bit more and, and by, not by any means is it a prolific label. I'm very specific about what I put out. Um, but it gave me a chance, like as a musician, to kind of sit back and go, well, what are the things I need to focus on to, you know, to make my bands better? And, you know, so I went out and I invested some money and I bought like a proper home studio set up and I taught myself how to program drums and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it just, I felt like I had to do that because otherwise, you know, you just kind of stuck at home all the time when you're locked down. And, um, and I know like the mental aspect of that, it was really hard to stay focused sometimes. Um, but I found that having something, you know, having something that was going to make my creative output better was a really good focus to have. Um, and you know, now I just, and it, it was such a good thing to do because just instead of as a guitarist, just instead of focusing all the time on the riffs, which is obviously a great thing, but you know, what the guitar does, it made me start to think about what the drums do and what mm-hmm. the bass does and, you know everything I did for bands before was just started with a guitar riff and usually it still does, but now I can jump on and I can go, well, hang on, if let me program a drum beat and then see what that does, see what, what that makes me play. So it's a new way to come up with riffs rather than just jamming out in the guitar, you know, just I'll program a drum beat, a cool beat that I think is cool. And then, you know, and that'll generate a riff. So it's, it's given me the opportunity to, completely refocus on how I approach writing music and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I probably, you know, would I have done that if I wasn't locked down at home? I don't know. Maybe not. You get to learn how the, the, the low end works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just understanding like, you know, by no means I play drums, but now I understand, you know, what the kick drum does and when you should use it. And you know, it's just been an amazing process and I get lost in it, you know, I say to my girlfriend, I'm just going to go and like work on this song for half an hour. And then like two hours later, I come out of my room and she's like, that wasn't half an hour. <laughs> I really wish I could do that. Out. I just wound up playing fucking Legend of Zelda for two hours. <laughs> it is hard though. You know, you've got to leave your phone outside and, you, you know, cause I've got a, like a little studio at home and, you know, if you're going to, if I'm going to go in there and do stuff, I've got to not have any distractions, you know? Yeah. Or well, else, yeah, there's you, you, lots you, of you those. Know, yeah, you come in and you think oh, I'm going to work on this song, and then you spend 45 minutes on fucking Instagram or something, and then you know, it's just crazy. 
Yeah, it's, it, I mean, that, yeah, that was a reckoning too, just dealing with it because of with social media and like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden, all these people who didn't have opinions had opinions. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't need to see this. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was rough. And, you know, you, I took some measures to like, you know, cut back on it and whatnot. But yeah, you yeah. get lost in it. And after a while, you do realize just like, okay, I'm kind of not really looking at anything. I'm just trying yeah. to find a purpose to be occupied. And, that I was not as, besides Diary of Doom, I wasn't as creative as like people were saying that you were going to be like, oh, you have all this time. You're going to like write a novel. You're going to write an album. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, nope, I just did the thing that I do every week. And I certainly loved doing it. But I was like, oh, I'm going to have all this time. I'm going to like learn how to do this. And like, nah, I didn't do any of that because it yeah. was like, it was like the whole, the mental thing. You know, I was yeah, just like, yeah, I didn't I feel up to it. From a mental health aspect too, you know, I know a lot of people, particularly, you know, musicians and creative people who have had their outlets, you know, kind of shut down during lockdown and all that sort of stuff, um, found it really hard and in, including myself to, uh, you know, to find that headspace to be creative because um, there's that uncertainty of like, well, you know, is anyone ever going to hear or see this? Or, you know, how long is it going to be until I get a chance to play this? Or, you know, so yeah, there was there was that real hard mental health aspect side of it as well. Because you just don't know what's going to happen. It's just, you know, such a once in a generation thing that we've gone through. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't happen again. But uh, <laughs> so uh, you, you play guitar in, um, in Yanomamo. And what were your earliest experiences with music up to that? Did you come from a musical background or was it something you learned independently? Yeah, as a kid, I was exposed to a lot of really cool music by my father and his uncles, uh, but by my father and my uncles, his brothers. Um, so they were into, you know, Kiss and ACDC and Zeppelin and Sabbath um, and a really some really cool Australian bands too, called uh, one particularly called The Angels, who were... Kind of like an ACDC kind of band. They were kind of like ACDC and Rose Tattoo all mixed together, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, really cool hard rock sort of stuff with really great riffs. Um, and Thin Lizzy was another one that my dad was a big fan of. So I grew up listening to, you know, from a really young age, like four, five, six years old to those bands. Became obsessed with Thin Lizzy and Kiss, um, Kiss in particular. And as, as soon as I saw Ace Freely, I was just like, oh, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and yeah just wanted wanted to play guitar and never really did um i remember my parents took me to the music store once when i was young but you know they couldn't afford it so i ended up buying my own guitar when i started working when i was about 16 and just kind of taught myself how to play yeah and just kind of went from there but the the love for music was there from the time i was a really small child and that kind of so started on that kind of heavy 70s heavy rock stuff and got just totally immersed in hardcore punk from the time I was like 11 or 12, just through some kids at school, you know, bands like Black Flag and Dead Kennedys and uh, Circle Jerks, mainly American punk stuff. But also, you know, there was obviously the the traditional stuff like Sex Pistols and The Exploited and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I just just got full on into punk um, for until my probably early 20s. Um, and then it's been like a cycle, you know, then I went because growing up like punk and metal didn't mix at all for me because i'm i'm like 50 years old so I, i'm kind of a lot older than most people in the scene um but when i was growing up punk and metal 
didn't yeah. mix. There was just a gap and it's yeah. it's a really I think it's a really interesting sort of like sociological thing because I've I've said it a lot. Like I feel like you, uh you always hear heavy metal dudes or metal dudes or metal metal folk folks I should say like like talking about bands like Black Flag or you know the the, the Bad Brains and how much they like love them. But then yeah. like I always felt like just punks hated metal because they just thought they were like like you know bigots and like you know stupid yeah. people who were like <laughs> you know that. uh racist or some or shit and you know to some degree that was true um but you know i i feel like that convergence has re like really happened more recently where it was like there was more yeah. of this coming together of things you know yeah and just an appreciation for what bands like you know the metalheads finally appreciated what bands like black flag did and then, you know, the punk guys appreciated what bands like, you know, Slayer did because they kind of crossed over, you know, like Suicidal Tendencies yeah. and um, Slayer started to cross over. But like even when I was in high school, you know, there was like maybe five of us who used to listen to punk stuff. And then there was like 30 or 40 kids that were into like early Metallica and stuff. And even then we couldn't talk to each other about it because it would just end up in a fight <laughs> over music, you know, like, you know, oh, like Slayer, oh, Metallica sucks sort of thing. And then they'd be like, oh, it's better than that Sex Pistols shit. And just, just these dumb arguments. But then, you know, as bands started to cross over, everyone started to come together. And like, look, I, I, as I was saying before, like my music has always gone in cycles. But one thing I never got into, like I, I really like Slayer, but one thing I never got into was the really metal-y side of metal, you know, like Judas Priest or mm -hmm. Metallica or fuck, who else? The like heavy hitters, Maiden. Anthrax, any of that stuff. Like I, I just, and even now, like I, I appreciate what those bands did, but it's just not my flavor, you know? Right. Um, and I still have, a, not arguments, but conversations with friends and stuff. And they're just like, oh, you know, how can you not like it? I'm just like, just, I, I kind of, I guess I kind of missed that boat. And when I listen and I know it's kind of sacrilegious to say in metal circles, but when I listen to bands like Judas Priest now, I kind of giggle and I go, oh man, this is, maybe this is something I needed to listen to at a certain time in my life to really dig into and listen to all the time. So I just find it cheesy and comical, which is kind of, I guess, some of the point of it, because I know Rob Halford was was, a, was big on taking the piss and all that sort of stuff, but I just I just can't do it. <laughs> like it's uh, I'm I'm not a metalhead at all because I still see myself as like that punk kid, you know. Like I still mm -hmm. listen to Black Flag. I still think My War is one of the greatest albums ever made. I still listen to a lot of Dead Kennedys. I listen to shitloads of hip hop. Um, yeah, the whole spectrum, but just not so much the traditional metal stuff. Well, I could. I mean, there's definitely like a bit of the resurgence now, and I could understand like why somebody might not get in, you know, be into those because. Priest certainly, like, I think had some integrity just because, like, Rob Halford, you know, was, like, one of the first, like, out musicians, you know, oh, in metal yeah, and, every, yeah. and everything like that. But I could understand why, because a lot of those bands were kind of just singing about, like, I guess sort of, like, uh, fantastical shit. You kind of listen to it and you say, like, you or you could, because, I mean, I love Judas Priest and I love all that, that shit, but... Uh, like, I guess you could look at that and say like, well, they're not really like saying anything versus like, you know, the K Dead Kennedys obviously had like, yeah. a message in their music. And I think that's where more of the, the convergence has come because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot more metal bands, at, at, at least in the States that are a bit more forward or very open about like 
what they're singing about. It definitely has more of a punk rock ideology as opposed to, and there's tons of great bands that do like the traditional stuff or like there's a great death metal band where they're talking about, you know, dismembering fucking body parts and gore and shit like that. And there's tons of good bands that just sing about depressing ass shit. But yeah, there's definitely more of like a movement where the punk ideology is seeping through. And what's interesting is that it seems to be like on the sludgier side of things, which is what your band is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why. I think there's always been, I think those two genres have have always kind of just, they've really been kind of sitting next to each other for a long time. It was like hardcore punk rock and like sludge metal. And like, you know, sludge metal started out a little shaky, but it certainly turned into a a much different genre of music than it once was when it first started. Yeah, when you, when you listen to the early sludge stuff, you know, Iron Monkey and the early I Hate God stuff, there was a definite crossover with hardcore. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they like I Hate God still do it on their, on their recent albums where they'll just have a song, you know, the first three minutes of it is like a classic hardcore riff, like yep. something that Discharge would have done back in the day, you know? Yep. Um, exactly. And then it would go into this grimy Sabbath breakdown and it's just fucking great. Like the disparity of and the 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 contrast of those two things just works so well together. Do you think like that when that stuff started to take off was when you started to be a little bit more attracted to like metal and the really like kind of the grimier, heavier side of things? Cause it took me yeah. a long time to appreciate a band like I Hate God. Cause like like sleep is heavy as fuck, but it's it is pretty accessible at the end of the day. And like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, you know, sure. I hate God is it's it's pretty off putting. And you know, there's some like kind of dicey stuff in the earlier albums. But I mean, I've really grown to like really dig the shit out of that band. Yeah, and like so, yeah, some of the stuff is really caustic sounding. You know, it's like yeah. it's not pleasant to listen to. Um, yeah, but you I'll, don't ever want you don't want to throw it on like when you're going for a Sunday stroll. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and you know, and I really like that that dichotomy in music as well, where you'll have, you know, a really cool, heavy riff, and then it goes into something that kind of makes you sit back and go, "Whoa, that's that's a bit rough." That's like, "Whoa," you know, and then having that that contrast as well. And I think bands like I Hate God started that. Like, and for me, like a band like Iron Monkey is just everything, and that's kind of why I started. That's why I wanted to start a band like Yanamamo. I was just wanted. I was just like, "Fuck, I want to be an Iron Monkey." Like, <laughs> you know, for me, they just had everything that at at that time, like eleven years ago, was just like, "Fuck," and yeah, and that was a good fifteen years after Iron Monkey ceased to exist. But their music still just hit me so hard. You know, it was just great. But yeah, when I'm you know before starting Yanamamo, I had I kind of in my early 20s i stopped playing music altogether i just i don't I, I think back now and i just really don't know why and stopped playing for a long time and then i went to a friend's house once and he had a guitar and i picked it up and i just started mucking around with it and he was like oh, i didn't know you played and i was like oh yeah i used to play and then just from mucking around with his guitar that day i was just like oh, i feel like i want to play guitar again <laughs> so then I went out and I bought another guitar and bought an amp and just started playing again. And then I think within 12 months of doing that, I joined a band here called La Mera. We did a couple of EPs um, and they're available on band on, you know, um, Spotify and stuff. And that was kind of a doomy sludgy kind of thing that had a real punk edge to it because the other guitar player was just fanatical about bands like Dead Kennedys and stuff, which was great. 
And then that kind of fell apart. Actually, have you heard of a band in Australia called Sumeru? Sumeru, no, yes. I, no, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I always get excited when I find out about another Australia. I don't know what it is about Australia, and it's not just your bands. It's like when an, it's like when an actor from Australia shows up and they're really good. Everyone gets like really excited about it. Like I don't know <laughs> yeah. what it is. Like it's this. Is it just like this reputation of being like? unique and like weird i mean i know that's what everyone says about the wildlife there is like it's all strange yeah. stuff but like i remember when like you know Hugh. i mean he's still pretty big but like when hugh jackman and russell crowe and and uh naomi like all those actors and actors like i remember when they were just huge and they were winning so many yeah. oscars and everything but obviously mel gibson you know was probably the biggest yeah. export before that although i don't know yeah. i i contest if he's a real australian uh, i think he was born in canada wasn't he him and Ted Cruz somehow. <laughs> oh shit! And now he's a, a, a U.S. politician. Go figure. That guy's the worst. Yeah. So the uh, band Sumeru actually. So the band that band I was talking about that I was in before Lamera, mm -hmm. they went on to become Sumeru. And you should look those guys up because they're like they're like. And you know, you're sort of saying about what is it about bands from Australia? I think you know because we're so far away from the rest of the world, and then when you get here, everything's so spread out. Um, you know, it's not like the states where you can drive like eight hours and you'll be you'll drive through three states you know you drive right. for eight hours here and you're still in the same fucking state mm -hmm. <laughs> um but you know bands like Sumeru are just fucking world-class bands you know like these you know if, if you if someone took a pun on these guys and just took them over to europe and gave them a deal and put them on the festival circuit i guarantee that within you know two years they'd be headlining festivals i mean these the guitarists are both absolute fucking shredders. The drummer's a monster. The singer's fucking incredible. The bass player holds it all together. And they're just this fucking loud, raucous metal band that have aspects of like, you know, doom and sludge. And their latest stuff has gone a bit, they've got some sort of black metal influences in it. And they're just, just a fantastic band, right? Really fantastic band. So, and there's a bunch of bands like from Australia like that. who I, And I think we just suffer because of our you know uh, you know sitting in the ass of the world and it's hard for mm -hmm. bands from here to to go overseas and tour because it's just so expensive and so far away and, you know if you're going to do a tour you've got to you know, it might take you seven days to play five shows by the time you drive or get to where you need to be but having said that i was uh, before i came on i was i made a band like a list of bands from australia who would and it's just like too long to read out but you know, some of the older bands that kind of set the table for what's going on here today in the underground metal scene, like, you know, bands like Pod People, who are a band from Canberra, which is Australia's capital. I it's think I might, I feel like I, I see them a lot because I, I, I don't, I don't know. You, you just become friends with people on the internet. Yeah, like, yeah. I became friends with a guy online who's in Australia and he's pretty fucking funny, but I always see him talking about Pod People and I don't know if yeah. he's in the band or if he's, just like a huge fan of that band right yeah so pod people started doing the sort of do stone of doom thing they were the first ever australian band that was signed to relapse records oh that's cool this is like 25 years ago they supported electric wizard when electric wizard first came to australia like 20 you know, 20 years ago and they they broke up and got back together about 18 months ago uh, after being apart for 10 years they're doing new stuff now and they're just just great bands, you know, other older bands like Space Bong from Adelaide, which is um, in South Australia, um, bands like Clag from Melbourne. Um, and th these are guys that were doing, you know, the Doom Sludge Stoner thing 20 years ago, the kind of first wave of it. 
and then now we've got a whole bunch of bands like to name a few like religious observance from melbourne uh, do a kind of really grimy dirty sludge reminiscent of i hate god but it, like i hate god's an easy reference to throw to bandy about but um these guys are different in, in a really really good way like in a really heavy way sundowner from south australia as well just another really great heavy sludge band burial pit ilva from melbourne you know just so many great bands here at the moment you know more, more people need to know about these bands because they really are you know I, I kind of feel like if half these bands were in the states they would be household names in underground metal um you know that people would be talking in the same breath as you know iron monkey and bongzilla and i hate god one that i know because i actually got to see them was uh horse hunter oh yeah far out man oh uh, they were i barely knew who they were and then i saw them they played at saint vitus and they were like we weren't even a band and then uh magnetic eye records reached out and they put out an album and they wanted to do this showcase and they flew yeah. them out and it was it was rad it, they were super fucking cool yeah that's that's so funny that was such like when we were we'd been a band for about maybe three or four years when those guys started and they like when they started they were really young guys like i think mike the singer guitarist was 17 when they first started and they used to play with us so every time we went to their home state in victoria and melbourne they would always be on the bill and they would open for us and i remember the first time seeing it was just like holy shit and then talk to Mike, the singer afterwards. And I was just like, God, this guy's just a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's, it's fantastic because, you know, it just goes to show you that the, the future's in good hands. You know, unfortunately, Horse Hunter aren't a band anymore. I think for, for multiple reasons, there was a lot of disillusionment with what was going on with underground metal and stuff for those guys. But um, I think Mike's now doing some acoustic, classical acoustic solo thing. So just gone complete other end he wound up going to see um uh power trip and high on fire and we were there and we wound up going out drinking with them afterwards it was ah, cool. yeah nice yeah it's good i'm glad people know about bands like horse hunter in the states it's cool so i remember when they did that gig and everyone here was so stoked for them yeah that was such a great day it was a long day but it was a good day <laughs> <clears throat> what came first band or the record label i'm assuming the band Ah, the band. Yeah, yeah. The band definitely. So we, the band started in 2010. It was my idea and I knew how uh, I'd met the original singer of the band. He was doing um, lots sort of promoting shows for the scene and stuff. Um, and I met him when I was in the other band, La Mera, and we started chatting and I was like, oh, you know, I'd like to do something else along the lines of sort of I hate monkey bongzilla style. And he was like, oh, well, I'll sing if you want. And I was like, yeah, cool. Then he went and rounded up like a bass player um, and a drummer. And the bass player is still our original bass, like our bass player to this day, Paul. And yeah, we just jammed and I'd written a song. We jammed on the song and everyone really dug it. And then we just, yeah, it became a band. I think we, I wrote a few more songs and we jammed them out. And I think we played a show like maybe three months later and then recorded that first EP, which is called Maggot. Really really quickly and when i listen back to it now i kind of kind of like oh shit that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> but people love it because it, it it's really raw like we had no idea what we were doing really from from being in the studio i was still kind of coming to terms with playing guitar again after not playing for like a solid 10 years 
I knew what I wanted to do with the guitar. I just didn't really have the the skill to do it. <laughs> so I was just kind of doing what I what I could do at the time. Um, but now looking back on it, it's kind of one of those things where you look back and go, ooh, but it is what it is. You know, it's that moment in time and people still like it. I still get people, you know, messaging me, asking if we're ever going to repress it because uh, it was only ever done on cassette. We did like oh, wow. 70 cassettes, I think. And that, that was in 2011. And people were like, what the fuck are you doing cassettes for? <laughs> I think this is well before the um, before the kind of current boom in cassettes happened. Yeah, but I I never expected to be buying fucking cassette tapes. Yeah, crazy. I, mean, I haven't touched cassette tapes since I was like five or something. Yeah. you know. And now it's they're not... just like totally back in vogue. It's it's. Yeah. I think people are just craving that that physical oh, thing sure. still, yeah. you know. And I realized that you know, obviously, a, a place like Bandcamp is great for the digital aspect, and that you know, musicians are actually getting like their due pay in a digital manner as opposed to like what you have to do to get anything from Spotify or yeah. all of those other streaming platforms. But I do think it's really cool. And I mean, I just constantly see heavy metal and experimental bands coming out with just really cool merch. I mean, this is, yeah. uh, oh no, it's not over here. Oh, here it is. Like, I mean, this was by a previous guest and friend of the show, Jeremy Hunt, but I mean, this is a cereal box. <laughs> with a game on the back that he designed and i was like that's unreal that to me is so super cool so for something yeah. like uh cassette tapes to come back into style it's it's not like out of this world yeah we just kind of kept going i think we were kind of i think at the time that we started there were a few bands around like a drift for days and space Wong and clag who were doing this sort of stoner sludge doom thing um, and then I think within about three or four years of us being a band, it kind of exploded, mm -hmm. you know, and there was this glut of bands that came out and it was funny when, when you kind of looked at the bands and you went to see them, you could go, oh, that's, you know, that's John from that thrash band and that's Steve from that old death metal band. So you had guys, you know, a lot of guys from other styles of music sort of realize, hey, this stoner doom things really taking off and then they all formed these stone of doom sludge bands and and to be honest a lot of them didn't last very long right um people kind of hopped hopped on the bandwagon hopped off really quickly and then a few bands survived a few and most of them didn't and to be honest most of them weren't very good to me playing slow is really fucking hard man <laughs> it's what everyone says it's really really fucking hard it's it's hard to write slow it's hard to play so you know when and when you play live the adrenaline kicks in and everything just speeds up a little bit. So when you, when you see a band and they are able to play painfully slow and in time, fuck appreciate that because that is fucking hard to do, <laughs> you know? And if you make a mistake when you're playing slow, it stands out like dog's balls. <laughs> it's like, it's not, you know, when you're playing fast, it, you, people barely notice mistakes, but fuck, if you're playing, you know, 50, 60 beats a minute and you hit the wrong note. My God, it's horrific. Oh, I, I, I can imagine. I mean, I've, I think I've seen it a couple of times and you'd think you could just sort of like mash it up and lose it in the mix, but like it, it does like stand out. It's kind of like weird. And it, it's, it's also weird too, because I feel like the audience realizes it before 
the player yeah, realizes yeah. <laughs> because if you've seen like i mean i've seen videos of like john petrucci from dream theater like fuck up and it's just it looks like a car accident like his fingers are having like a <laughs> like a like a multi-vehicle accident he's like <laughs> like he spazzes out so it's like yeah. clear when a really fast shredder does it but i'm sure even if they do mess up a couple times they could probably just like bury yeah. it under notes yeah if it's not really bad yeah if it doesn't make your ear kind of go ah yeah, and I mean, now there's a, it's almost like there's been a second wave in the last couple of years of bands that came up. I think it's maybe the younger guys who were influenced by that first wave, but mm. um, I think this second wave of bands is much, much better. Um, and these are these seem to be guys who aren't just hopping on the bandwagon, you know. They generally grew up listening to, um, I don't know if they listen to us, but you know, bands like Space Bong and Clag and the older guys like Pod People and we're like, yeah, this is what I want to play. And, and I made it probably the this. other stuff too, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. US there's, bands and European oh, bands. for sure, for sure. But there's, uh, you know, I've got a list in front of me of like 30 Australian bands who are on the scene at the moment and they're all fucking great bands. And, and most of them have only sort of come about in the last five years, I'd say. I like Bog Monster. I think they're, are they uh, yeah, 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 they're fun. Yeah, they do the whole sort of doom death thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I might be talking to some more Australian bands in the future. <laughs> yeah, you should for sure, man. I mean, there's there's so many. I'm going to send you a list after this of Australian oh, bands. Oh, sweet. You need to check out. <clears throat> These are all the bands on your label, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've only got, uh, what have I done? So I've done on the label. Yeah, so let's uh, talk a bit about the label. Um, yeah, sure. I'd love to know. So that, that was something that I'd thought about for a long time. And then I think I really, really sort of kicked it off couple of years ago i was just literally sitting at home and i was thinking about it and i was like Fuck, well, i should just do it you know i should just do it and then the first thing i put out was the first full-length album that yanomamo did called neither man nor beast i think it was in 2018 and it it came about oh that's right it came about because we were doing this album and a few people had heard about it and we got, got contacted by a few labels who were interested to put the album out I remember feeling like a few of the people I was talking to, they kind of wanted, I felt like they wanted us to jump through hoops a little bit. And that was something I never really wanted to do. I was just like, you know, if you want to put the album out, put the album out, don't dick around with it. And then dealing with a few few people and I was just like, you know what, I'm I'm sick of the toing and froing about this. You either want to put it out or you don't. And then I just drew a line in the sand. I said to Ben, you know what, let's do it ourselves. Um, but just do it ourselves that way we don't have to bother dealing with anyone else and that was and then I went you know what I've had this idea to start a label so I'll just do it and I'll put it out on this I'm going to call it Iomium Records and I got a good friend of mine Dale to do the logo of the moustache and all that sort of stuff and did that put that out that went well and then I didn't do anything with it for a while until I was talking to Pete um, who runs a label out here called Brilliant Emperor, who's also the guitarist in that band Samaru I was telling you about. Okay. Um, and he does, he's pretty prolific with the Brilliant Emperor label. So he does like a lot of um, black metal, thrash metal, death metal stuff. And I was talking to him and I said, uh, just about starting a label and how he went about it. And, you know, I've known Pete for a long time and he was really great. We caught up and had a couple of beers and he just gave me the rundown. And then he goes, oh, I've got this band from Melbourne. They're called Warp. They're not something I would put out, but it's probably right up your alley. And he sent it to me. I listened to it, and it was fucking great. Um, Three-piece band, heavily influenced by Electric Wizard. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, yep, 
So I call, I got in contact with them and just said, Hey, look, keen to do a run of cassettes for you guys, if you'd be interested. And they were like, Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they'd only been a band for, for I think for like three months, they just digitally released a couple of songs off the album. Yeah. So I did that. We did all the artwork and I think I did 50 cassettes and like it sold out within like a month of me releasing it. And I shipped all over the world, you know, like Israel and Sweden and Norway. And what I found out from doing that was I discovered just how prolific the underground tape scene is. Yeah. And there are people out there that just froth over <coughs> cassette releases, you know? Um, and what I would find would happen, like I would get an order from say Norway for one cassette. And then within like two or three weeks after that, I'd get five or six more orders from the same area of Norway. So people were kind of talking about it and word you could see how the word of mouth was getting around. And that went really well. And I still get emails today saying, oh, do you have any spare copies of the warp tape lying around? Um, and unfortunately I don't, it's sold out. But um, then after that, we did the Yanomamo single, the split single with um, Slowmatics from Ireland. Are you familiar with Slowmatics? Yeah, yeah, I know Slowmatics. Yeah. yeah, so I first heard of Slowmatics when um, Yanomamo, first time Conan came to Australia, um, you know, that's was, why, because they did yeah. that, the Slowmatics was... versus Clo uh, Conan, Clonin, Jesus. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember when that, I remember listening to that and being like, oh my God, this is fucking yeah. brutal. Yeah. So when Conan first came to Australia for their first tour, we, we played every show with them. So we toured the country with them, which was fantastic. And John chatting with John one day and he said, you need to check out Slowmatics because they're the reason that Conan exists. Um, so he was a huge Slowmatics fan and then that put him on the path to form Conan. And then I met online, I can't remember how it happened. Oh, that's right. John went back to the UK. John from Conan went back to the UK after the tour and he was talking to the Slowmatics guys and he told them about Yanomamo and said, oh, look, we had this band supporters. They were good, blah, blah, blah. You should check them out. So then I got a message from David in Slowmatics, who's the guitarist, just saying, hey, you know, caught up with John and he recommended, just want to let you know I really dig your music. And that, that kind of blew me away because I was just like, you know, Slowmatics are one of the bands that I kind of looked up to, you know. So to get a message from David saying that he dug what we did was fantastic. Um, and then we just stayed in touch ever since. And then, you know, we talk a lot about amps and guitars and blah, blah. I just geek out on stuff and recommend pedals to each other and all that sort of stuff. And then... Well, I was trying to think of a band to do a split with. And I was like, oh, I should ask David from Slowmatics, but they probably won't. You know, they're a bigger band than us and blah, blah, blah. And I mentioned it to him. He's like, absolutely, let's do it. And I was like, oh, that was easy. I didn't expect, <laughs> you know, you guys to want to, to want because they, I think they'd just done a, a split EP with John's other band called, oh, he's got that other band now. I can't remember what it's called. Name slips my mind. But yeah, anyway, they were keen to do it and they went and re-recorded their song and yeah, it just all happened really well. And it sold well because obviously one thing I do know about Slowmatics is that anything they put out sells out immediately. Um, they're just one of those bands. They do cool merch. Um, yeah, so that went really well. Um, and the next thing I've got planned for the label is a band from Adelaide who I mentioned to you before called Sundowner. Heavy yeah, slug I've heard band. Of it. I've, seen, I've seen their name pop up. Yeah, so around. they've just released an album, which is absolutely fantastic. Again, real dirty, bluesy sludge. And I've known, I've known the guitarist in Sundowner, Mark Page, for a few years now. 
he's involved with the shop in Adelaide, a record shop called Underground Records. And just a great dude who's been around the scene forever. But when Yanomamo went to Adelaide a few times, he kind of got in touch and looked after us when we went over there. And, you know, just one of those good mm-hmm. dudes in the scene, you know. So when I heard he was doing this Sundowner band, I got in touch and was just, would love to hear it. And I heard it and I was like, yeah, oh, man, I want to do something with you guys, you know, do a tape run or something. And he was keen. So, yeah, I think people are just, when it comes to the label, I just put out stuff that I'd want to listen to, you know. Um, so it's never going to be anything where I'm just going to crank out, you know, seven band releases in a year, unless I actually really love those releases, unless I would sit down and listen to those things. It's just a good thing to do. You know, it's a way for me to give back as well. Um, you know, having been in, involved in playing in bands now for like the last 15 years again, you know, you meet so many cool people and yeah, just a way to give back. You know, and I think, yeah, putting out people's music without, without any bullshit attached to it. Just, you know, when you contact a band and say, I really like what you're doing, do you mind if I put it out? Some of them, some people are like, oh yeah, but what do you want? And I'm like, I don't want anything. I just want to put your music out because it's unreal. <laughs> that that doesn't come very often. I know that with Yanomamo, we had, as I was saying before, experiences with people who wanted to put the music out, but just kind of dicked us around a bit. And I don't think underground metal bands have time to be dicked around, you know, it's just, it's just do shit and be cool and get on with it. That's my kind of mantra for OMEM Records is just put cool stuff out, treat people well and give back. I, I think it requires uh, a lot of work and, you know, finesse oh, and detail. And, and all, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I'm sure that's like one of the drawbacks, you know, just like it does require a lot of work and you got to put a lot of time and effort into it. It's not just going to like self-sustain itself. You know, one of the worst things is? I was actually, actually one of my questions is like, what's like best part and like worst uh, part? Or frustrating. Best part, yeah, best part is probably what I said before. You know, just dealing with cool people who make cool music. Yeah. And helping them, helping them do what they want to do. You know, and get getting people to hear hear good stuff. The worst bit is going to the fucking post office every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, I did man. a project for this podcast. Made shirts for John Hopkins, who was a friend of the pod, and he was a. Uh, a sound guy for like fucking every single heavy metal band, like every single oh, cool yeah, heavy metal. Yeah, you don't know that name. Like, yeah, yeah. Sleep, the Melvins, Municipal yeah. Ways. Like yeah. he did so, Boris. Like he did so many bands. And there's not a post office that's like right down the street from me. And I had to like <laughs> just bring all this fucking shit down. And I'm like, damn, man. But I know there's people that do it every goddamn day. And I was like, wow. Yeah. yeah. The guy in the post office started asking me you know, what it is that I do. And I, when I explained to him, he was just like, oh, people still buy physical music? Like he had no, like, obviously not a yeah. guy that's into music. He was just like, well, what, 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 what is this stuff you're sending to all corners of the world? And I was just like, oh, just, you know, cassettes and records. And he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so he had no idea that physical music was even a thing anymore. The next thing I'm going to do is... Uh, on the label, I think we'll, after the Sundowner thing will be uh, Yanomamo split with Redbeard Wall. Oh, Aaron, he's great. He's been on the yeah. show. He's so, great. So after I heard him on your on this podcast, I got in touch with him because I'd heard the band before and I thought they were really cool. And then when I heard him, I was like, this is the kind of dude I want to deal with. He's yeah, not he- like kind of the same ilk as you. It's a little, it's a little bit uh, of a different 
like yeah. sound. It's it's heavy, I, but he's he's got a little bit of a different approach. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm quite into doing stuff with slightly different bands because mm-hmm. I think you know you look at the like us and Slowmatics as well. Like we're we're quite a aggressive gritty kind of take on it where there is more they're a bit more sort of spacey atmospheric but yeah. i like that i like that contrast you know it's like and it's the same when it comes to shows i like to play shows with bands that sound different um and have different takes on things rather than just having four bands that sound like i don't know i hate god for instance yeah i think you need to keep it fresh for the listener as well um but yeah after hearing him on your podcast i was like this dude's cool. And so I just sent him a message on Instagram and I was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing a split? You know, I'll put it out on this label. And he was like, absolutely. Let's do it. He was so positive about it. And yeah, just a really nice guy. I can take a little pride in knowing that I, I played some role in like linking oh, you two together. So I, that's, that's really cool. Like that's, that's kind of like why, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do this. And that, that, that's really fucking neat. I'm glad that that like panned out and you had yeah. this, like cool opportunity to do something together. Yeah. I mean, it's, it it's really cool. Just like what, what, like with the advent of the internet, like just what it's been yeah. able to do for underground music. And, you know, oh, I remember what I was going to say before too, about that is, you know, you were getting kind of the runaround from the label. And I, and I think that just labels didn't really know how to handle heavy metal bands for a while. So then yeah. heavy metal labels came up and, you know, those are big, like, you know, top tier to like, you know, sort of like second tier bands. And, you know, the label expects a lot of things, you know, they have the money to put in, but they got to yeah. collect their due it just makes more sense that there's like smaller labels putting out other music. Yeah. And it's not like they don't have unrecognizable bands. Like I always, I just think of uh, 20 bucks spin cause they have like all kinds of different kinds of metal on there. But I feel like, yeah. you know, they, they get that shit out. Like people, they have like a really, really yeah. strong, if not maybe like the strongest, like, roster out there and i'm saying that not knowing about a bunch of other ones too i mean obviously relapse yeah. still has a lot of a ton of great bands and stuff like that but i do really like the stuff that 20 bucks spin puts out like it's clear that they have a vision as to the kind of bands that they want to cater to with you know to cater to with uh, to their audience with you know and it's yeah. everything from doom and and for like paul bear to like traditional metal like um spirit adrift and then you get just like insane death metal bands like Tomb Mold and whatnot. It's yeah, it's, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, there's a, a and yeah, there's a few small labels operating over here. Like I said before, you got Pete from Samaru with Brian Emperor, who, Emperor who tends to focus on the thrash death metal side of uh, black metal side of things. Um, the label that put our Yanomamo's No Sympathy for Rad LP out, um, Blight Town Records. Um, Luke Stewart, who runs that's a really cool guy who again has a has a very similar approach to me in that he just wants to put out stuff that he likes. And it, but his his operation is a little different from mine. He's got a bit of backing and he works a couple with a couple of other people. And they've just started up um this dist- a distro for Europe for Australian bands, which is awesome. Um, you know, because to to ship physical product to Europe is expensive a few tapes that I sent out cost me like $28 to send a tape. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. 
Um, so he set up this um, with Bitter Loss Records, Brilliant Emperor Records and Blighttown. They set up Hammer of Exile. So now they've got a distro in Europe for all the Australian bands, which is unreal. So you talked about the day-to-day and, you know, the best and the worst and the nitty-gritty. And obviously there's a lot of support in the Australian scene, you know, for your music and the other bands. And the, the whole vibe I get from it is that it's small, but it's strong. And you talked about how there's a lot of support, you know, internationally too. I feel like Australia has a very dedicated metal scene and I feel like it just kind of comes from the fact that everybody is involved. Everybody does a thing, you know, they might yeah. be a bartender and they do this and everyone's kind of coming out to support your band, regardless if you're a sludge band, like your band, or if it's something else, like I feel yeah. like people are just showing up for it. Yeah. The Australian music scene is very interesting. So when, you know, before I was playing in bands when I was younger, we would do that thing where you would go and see like four or five bands a night and there'd be like, you know, 10 different venues that night that were having shows on. That was kind of late 80s, early 90s sort of stuff. There was just an abundance of bands and an abundance of venues where you could go. And then things just kind of changed towards the end of the 90s and into the 2000s where a lot of the venues, which were mainly bars um, and pubs, were just stopped having live music and they just got poker machines in, you know, gaming machines. And then you just saw all these venues were just disappearing. And there was just, as I said, Sydney would have had, where I live in Sydney, would have had probably, you know, 50 venues for live music just in the in the sort of inner city area. And then you fast forward 10 years later and there were maybe five if you were lucky. But there was always, even when that was happening, there was always a really strong undercurrent of bands and people who, you know, kept it alive and kept it moving. Um, so you are right. There's There's... I guess when I first started playing, I kind of caught it, came under the tail end of a lot of bands that were sort of winding down and were sort of starting to break up. And a lot of the guys I met um, when I first sort of started playing in La Mera were these old, bitter sort of dudes who'd, who'd had enough. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, okay, that's kind of spicy dealing with these folks. Um, but then within a few years, it had all it had cycled through. And now I mentioned before that I think we're kind of going through a second wave again now. And this second wave of bands that are come through are just like they're great bands and they're just great people. Like, and they're all into working together and, you know, promoting each other's bands. And it's just, it's, you're right, it's a small, but it's a really strong and vibrant scene um, with a lot of support for, for each other's bands. It's just fantastic. Like we played a festival um, called Aftermath a couple of weeks ago and it was like the first big show that we did after being locked down. And, you know, it was sold out and it was a huge crowd. And, you know, bands were getting up and jamming with each other during the sets and stuff. And, you know, like it was just such a great vibe and you could see how strong the scene was. And everyone talks to each other and, yeah, it's just amazing. There's no... It's a bit of a bit of a thing where like dickheads aren't tolerated. You know, right. if someone makes a dick of themselves and everyone just goes, right, you're done. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of a no dickhead policy, which is good. Just keeps the fools out and keeps the scene cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear that. That's really cool. Have longed to visit uh, Australia uh, ever since I was a little kid. And one day I'll get there because I would just like to see what it's all about because... You know, like you said, obviously there's the 
the metal scene and going to see that would just, just to be able to say, I went to Australia and I saw an Australian heavy metal show is worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it enough for me. But yeah. you know, I also like, I, I just wanted to, I just want to go like there's, there's, it just seems like such a cool country to check out um, at least being out in the wild and not so much with like, yeah. the, well, like we were talking yeah. about at the top of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and look, I've, I've I've been to America a few times, and it is yeah, the Australian experience is very different. Yeah, we don't have uh, Vegemite here. <laughs> have you had Vegemite? I've I've never had it. It looks so bizarre to me, but I mean, yeah. it's sound. I would definitely try it. It definitely does not seem like the weirdest thing in the world. Pretty good. Like I mean, yeah, we we all kind of grew up on it, so. It's one of those yeah things. it's like uh i'm trying to think like what the equivalent would be here because i'm sure you have butter and jam in in australia you're not <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't even know like what i guess it's like a bagel like a like it's kind of like a bagel like a bagel is like such a big especially where i'm from and you know live in new jersey yeah, new yeah. york like that's just such a, a staple of the area uh yeah yeah or like a or like a an egg sandwich that's another big staple mm. of, of that i don't know if that it's there's like a culture around it. it yeah, yeah. Just like sure. there's a culture around everything, but <laughs> can you dish out a really horrible touring story? And if not, you know, obviously if you have a great one, that that's fine oh, too. A really horrible one. Hmm. Yeah, look, I I think of all the tours that we've done, there hasn't been really been anything horrible happen. And, and maybe we're really lucky. Yeah, I can't really think of any like for me the most horrible part of touring is sleeping on people's floors that shit gets hard when you're old <laughs> now nah, look look we've we've played with you know conan a couple of times on their tours out here we we've done tours with jucifer and black cobra um kylesa when they were around um and look they they all treated us really well because i mean from what i gather those those bands back in the States are just kind of like us. They're, you know, they're bigger, but you know, they're still working day jobs and yep. so they get it. We've never been ripped off by a promoter, which is, which might be weird and rare, but yeah, my experience, I, I honestly can't think of a really bad tour experience. Like we've never had a canceled show. Probably the worst thing that happened to us was on a tour in Melbourne, we played a show and like there were two people that turned up for the entire show. Not just for Oof. us, but for, for everyone. <laughs> oh, that's rough. It was the same two people. So the bands just basically played for each other. And that's happened a couple of times. And you can never kind of tell. Well, you kind of can. You, you know, you don't do gigs on a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, people, like, people are just like, no, I'm staying home. I feel like that's kind of the rule around here. I've definitely talked to some bands who have like very strict, like we do not tour or we do not book dates on, on these dates. But I think that's if you don't live in like a big metropolitan area, because if there's a band that rolls through on a Monday in New York, you're probably still going to have like a pretty good turnout. And yeah. also if, a because we have so many, like, you know, we have St. Vitus bar, which is like yeah. the, like a metal hub you know, if they book a show on a Monday and it's like somebody cool, people are going to show up for show it. Up. Yeah. It's like we saw, we saw Sun at St. Vitus on a Monday and it's like for any other band, probably yeah. not. But for them, yes. Would have been sold out. Yeah. 
I saw uh, in Australia, we have a, you're probably aware of it, we've got a little state, it's an island at the bottom called um, Tasmania. Oh yeah, very familiar. <laughs> um, yeah, um, my parents actually live there, but um, every year they have a, a festival there called the Dark Mofo Festival and it takes mm. over the entire suburb of Hobart, which is the main area. And they get um, underground bands from all over the world to come and headline. So one year was Sun and Earth. Oh, that's awesome which was just mind blowing. So, you know, because my parents live there, I just fly down and I stay with them and I go and see the bands. Mm. But uh, because the guy that runs Dark Mofo also runs the Mona um, Museum down there, he's loaded. So he shipped out Sun's entire backline from Europe. For the oh, show. wow. So they had their full Model T stacks, um, the Ampeg base rigs. It was the full Sun experience. Um, in this little uh, theatre called the Odeon Theatre in Hobart. Earth played first for about 90 minutes and then Sun came on and played for two hours. And Sun was just such an experience. Like, yeah, you know, and to see, to experience their full experience with their backline and stuff, it was just, it was just crazy. Like, you, I, you'll never see that in Australia again. Because um, I can only imagine what it would have cost to ship all those amps out from Europe to Tasmania. Um, oh, I can't even imagine. And, you know, everyone was just so high. The whole place smelled like <laughs> weed. And, you know, the physical nature of Sun's experience was, you know, having making people having to step outside for a few minutes and then come back in. Um, everyone was in earplugs because as soon as you took them out, your ears just started bleeding. So it was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was such a great experience. And, yeah, honestly, just one of those things that I, I never thought I would get to see, in, in, particularly in Australia. Um, and, and to get to see a band like Earth as well, who's just one of my favourite things of all time. You know, Dylan Carlson mm -hmm. is just a genius. So to see those two bands back-to-back -back was incredible. And then, like, oh, three years later, they brought Electric Wizard out. Uh, so I got to see them as well, yeah. Like yeah, really I've definitely place. seen that festival pop up in mentions like, you know, so-and-so playing at Dark Mofo and or, yeah. hey, we're playing at this. You know, it's really cool. When we saw them at Vitus, like, I mean, that place is so small and they filled up the room with smoke. And like, you know, you go out to the bar and you're like, this entire bar is filled with like just all this like fake smoke. It was <laughs> It was really cool, like, and the vibe in there is just so cool as it is because they already have a bunch of candles just like hanging around. So, yeah. fan fucking rules. I love them so much. So, besides the, you know, you have the slowmatics, uh, the split out with the slowmatics. Do you have any? And you have a bunch of other stuff in the works. You have the, uh, the split with Red Beer Wall. Do you have anything else that yeah. um, you're working on? Um, at the moment, I've just written a whole bunch of new songs over the past twelve months. I'd say. But yeah, we're just in this process now of um, getting new material together. So the, the songs are all written and demoed. We've just got to learn them together as a band. And the plan from there will be, I don't ever really want to do another full album again. I'm of the opinion that music like ours is better served up in small doses. Yeah. And so I think what we'll do is we'll probably do another EP um, and then do do a few splits with people. I, I really like those. I, I really like doing splits with other bands. I think it's a really cool a really cool product i guess if you want to call it for bands like us to do and yeah eps just you know hitting people with you know 20 to 25 minutes of music i think makes a bigger impact i think people's attention spans aren't as long these days either so i don't think they have and i'm, I'm generalizing here but I, I think people have too much going on 
to deal yeah, with, no, I, I agree with 40 to 45 <laughs> minutes of doom you know what i mean <laughs> so i'd rather yeah. release it i'd rather release it in 20 25 minute bursts where people can appreciate the whole thing and i i, I never want to do anything that's got filler in it so i always try and make sure that whatever we do is like we really dig and then then put it out i mean if we don't really dig it then we'll rework it until we do but yeah hopefully hopefully by the end of the year we'll record again um and then again i say the end of the year because we just don't know what's going to go on with with lockdowns and stuff at the moment but you know it's kind of hard even just to get together and rehearse at the moment because we don't know what's going on but um got a couple of things going on there with the anime i've got a new band in the works as well which is kind of cool okay uh, uh can you shed details on that or yeah, you're still uh, kind of keeping it no, on the it's, a, it's a different kind of vibe thing so we've already there's already an album written um which was done by a couple of the other members of the band um it's it's female fronted and it's kind of like imagine neurosis but with kind of a gothic tinge to it okay um, yeah which, and it's kind of it, i got asked to play in it by um ava so it, it's just a bunch of people who have been in other bands in the scene for a few years and it's good to play music with a couple of women as well so the other guitarist is female and the singer's female so it's been really it, it's cool to to do something that isn't just a dude fest sort of thing as well you know so yeah we've got our first rehearsal as a band where we're trying to learn the album together next week which is great and it's really interesting for me because it's it's in a really it's in a neurosis kind of tuning for the guitar so it's made me think of the guitar in a completely different way you know in Yanomamo we're in B standard which is heavy but it's it's a traditional approach to the guitar it's traditional tuning whereas um the tuning we're using for this new band which is called soma is really different so it, yeah it's again again one of those things that's made me take on a fresh view of what i'm doing with an instrument which is cool and the idea with that is to to play shows where we play the entire album because it's like a concept sort of thing mm-hmm. um yeah so hopefully we can get at least a couple of shows happening with that this year too i'm excited about that just to do something really different after nearly 11 years of doing Yanomamo, which I still really love doing, but new stuff that stretches you is always good. Yeah. You know, you got to keep the creative muscles. Yeah. You know, yeah. Limber and whatnot. And yeah, working with different people as well is, is always cool. Anything you've been listening to lately that you've been really been digging on? I mean, I know it's just the first week of the year as of this recording, so not a ton of stuff has yeah. come out. So like, I actually <laughs> haven't even checked out anything new besides the well, I mean, I checked out the split, but that came out last year, yeah. so I haven't even checked out any new bands like really from this year. Yeah, what have I got here? I've got um, a band I mentioned before. Can't really see it with the reflection there, but Religious Observance have just released a new album. Mm-hmm. It's self-titled. They're from Victoria in Australia, mm-hmm. um, so I've been listening to that a lot. That's really great. A few just sort of black death metal kind of things. There's a band called Burial Pit that has our old drummer in it. He now plays guitar in that band. It's kind of his thing. They did, a, and our singer is also in that band. What else? Oh, the Sundowner album I mentioned before, which is called Guns, Knives, and something. I can't remember the last thing. Um, but that's just they've just put that out on vinyl. That's a really great album. They're probably the main three things I've been listening to from a new perspective. Oh, and I listen. I've been listening to a fair bit of Redbeard Wall as well after talking to Aaron and teeing that up. So that that's that's been cool to dig into as well. I like how he does. He's doing some grunge, like the grunge thing seems to be coming back. 
Yeah, he's definitely got a a, a a soft spot for that, and you can definitely hear it in his music. And like, yeah, kind of weirdly, kind of antithetical to the genre. I and I said this to him. I was like, your music is kind of weirdly uplifting. It's it, it, you know, considering yeah. there's a lot of like dreary music in the scene. Yeah, so. his and his is definitely um, it's still really heavy and awesome. But yeah, I, I get what you mean by that for sure. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed with a couple. Of, there's a band here in from Sydney where I'm from called Astro Death, and they're doing some really, really great things at the moment. But they're doing they're kind of doing that new grunge thing as well. Um, they're they're a two piece, just a, a powerhouse guitarist, uh, powerhouse drummer called Yoshi, and the guitarist singer Tim, who does the whole. I think he does. They they do the same thing as Redbeard Wall, you know, where mm-hmm. where Aaron uses the guitar and bass amps, splits his signal. Um, so Astro Def do the same thing, and they've just got this massive sound for a two piece. But yeah, every time I see them, I'm just like, these guys are like absolutely killing that new grunge vibe that's going on. Yeah, I've mostly been just checking out some stuff that I missed from last year or like older bands. So, uh, checked out this band Hover Car, they're a two piece, really good, uh, fun stuff. Uh, what else you got on here? Oryx, um, they're from Colorado. Uh, previous guests of the show just dipping back into their old stuff ohm always always a good comfy pair of uh music slippers <laughs> to to get into um just spoke with um they'll be on uh i think the episode before this this band altered states but their drummer was uh is chris daly and he was in just brazil but he's in this other band called uh high disciple and they're like sort of okay. a dub jam band fusion thing um but really fantastic also just to brazil finally listened to the band beharit they're an og black metal band and that that band fucking rules like (laughs) super cool super good band and of course a lot of yano Yano mamo (laughs) listen to Uh, a lot of yano mamo (laughs) i haven't listened to uh beharit for a while but yeah i remember hearing those guys just thinking whoa that's crazy Oh, it's, it's, it's so cool and unique. Like if I would, I mean, I was like a kid, like a little kid when that shit came out, but if I heard that, like, and I was, you know, a bit older, I probably would have been like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Gotta love bands like that. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Now's the time to do it. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Just, uh, if you like dirty sort of sludge, give Yanomamo a listen. I think the best thing to do would probably be if I can send you this list and you can kind of reference the list of Australian bands. I think that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, we can figure something out. Because I'd love to just, I, I, you know, as I said, I, I feel like we, we suffer from um, because of where we are geographically a little bit. And I just, I'd love to, you know, help some of these bands get 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 heard more, particularly by people in the States, you know. Yeah, so I, it's funny, I, I, I while pushing my own band, I, you know, I've, I really want to push the bands that we play with a lot too, you know, because yeah, as I said, I just, I just think some of these bands are absolutely world-class and they deserve a bigger audience and they all bust their ass to do what they do, you know? All right. Well, we'll put a, we'll put a list of them in the Instagram, Facebook posts yeah, and tag awesome. all the bands and get those out there. And, you know, if you need your Yano Mamo fix, you can go over to Bandcamp or, and then you should go over to I, Iomium Records and check that out. And definitely check yep. out The Split. I strongly recommend it because uh, your song on it fucking kicks ass and obviously the Slowmatics kick ass too. Awesome. Thanks, man.
yeah dude thank you for coming on it's like awesome to talk to somebody on the other side of the world I, yeah, absolutely from the future <laughs> yeah yeah that's why i'm a day ahead <laughs> so, um definitely just check out all of jason's shit and uh yeah hope you stay safe and everything goes smoothly out there in um in the outback and whatnot for you uh-huh. awesome thanks dylan man really appreciate um you know taking the time to have a chat promoting Australian music and Yanomamo and all that sort of shit. It's amazing. Really good. It is. I'm always just excited that like I get the opportunity to like talk to somebody really cool and, you know, just again on the other side of the planet. It's just, I've, I've just gotten a lot of cool opportunities and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you again, man. And that'll do it for this chapter of the battle.
Taste the blood.